This is the Kita Anime Podcast with Dito and Katie Data for June 20th, 2012. Episode 5 of the spring season of Glow Sticks, the kryptonite for recording. It's time for the Kita Anime Podcast with Dito and KT Data. The Kita Anime Podcast is brought to you by Nertacular 2012. It's this Saturday and it's going to be epic. You have no idea, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kita Anime Podcast. I am KT Data. And I'm Dito. In widescreen. And this yes. is the podcast where we talk about anime. Spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. So go watch it before you just but check the show notes. We have links to the episodes. And, you know, just generally sit back and relax. So, Dito, how are you doing today, man? Uh, aside from doing uh, two sets of breaks this today, I am doing spectacular. You're, if you got two breaks, why are you complaining? Uh, well, two sets of them. So I did my front breaks and my boss's front breaks oh, today. Oh, oh, oh. Like, you know, like. So, 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 so you took your boss's break. So he's he was working the whole entire time. Yes, yeah, so I, I took his break. So he, you know, it's better than cutting break lines. If you just take the break pads themselves. Oh, oh, you're talking about car breaks. Okay, I thought you meant like work breaks. I was like, oh no, car breaks. Uh, oh, <laughs> the, the things that make you stop <laughs> in a car, preferably. Oh, interesting. Um, so, like I said, if you guys have never seen this podcast before, and you're on episode five, really, unless you're watching live, because live viewers are cool, because the nice thing about the live viewers, they have no idea what we're talking about. They just mingle amongst themselves and make fun of us. Um, yes. But, you know, we're doing episodes nine and ten of these three animes, Kuroko's Basketball, Koriwa Desuka of the Zombie of the Dead, and Jurgamund, but, you know. If you guys haven't seen it, head on over to ktdata.net. Look in the show notes that are posted. And then you can actually watch. Um, then you can come on. But, but be warned, guys. We will be spoiling everything in here, too. So you are have been warned. We only can warn you so far. Anyways, let's just jump into our first uh, anime, shall we? Let's go. <laughs> That shows you how much And our first anime is Kuroko's Basketball or Kuroko no Basuke, and it's brought to you by Revenge, now in proxy. <laughs> so when we last left off, Dad, he throws a fit, Kagami gets punched in the back, and we learn a little martial arts. Basketball. Anyways, yes. So, we, remember we quit mid game against uh, Siren versus Seho, and Seho is the team that's uh, the one that's using martial arts techniques to conserve energy, so they can spend all their energy on man to man. But guess what? They have good defense. They're pretty good on offense too. We start seeing that they're they can pass really crazy. They can swing the ball around the court to the open man really quickly, and Siren's having a hard time to catch up and. 
What I actually really liked about this is uh, Kisei and his buddy over there, they're kind of watching the game, and he's going like, this team, there's not really a star player on there. They're more a uh, team of experts, you know. They're good at what they do, but they're not, you know, there's no Kobe Bryant on their other team right there. And uh, um, well, the one thing I actually love is uh, the kid that's on uh, on uh, Seho's team that's in, that's in charge of defending everybody. He actually walks up to Karoko and says, Oh, you know, last year you guys lost by 20 points. This year, you're going to lose by 30. And Kuroko, I, I love it. He has these awesome one-liners because he usually doesn't say a lot. And his one-liner is like, I'll make sure I'm not disappointed. I'm like, oh, snap. You're not getting that 30-point win. I, I think you're going to be in for some hurting right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, what does Kuroko do, Dito? So, Kuroko steps in for just a little bit of uh, his uh, technique, like, passing. So, uh, he starts to pull the whole, like, uh, visible man thing and just disappears with everyone lines of sight. Yeah, and um, the crazy thing is, usually when you're passing, you're going to be passing one way in inside the defense to go for a layup or something. But what Kuroko does is he bounces it between the defender so the other person can get away and actually score a jump shot or a layup in some of the cases. And with uh, 18 seconds left, Saren's at 16 and Seho's at 19. And uh, this is nuts because Kuroko, he gets he gets a steal, gives it to the captain, and the captain does this like crazy two seconds left on the clock three-pointer, and it just swishes right in. I'm like, holy crap. Um it was it was pretty intense for that yeah. one too. It's like just watching it, it you just you just almost want to jump up, jump up and just like, cheer if yeah. there's like a real team. Yeah, and it's only the first quarter when they're doing this too. They haven't even started, you know. There's still three more quarters there, and it's already this intense right here. Um, so, what happens is that. Best, yep, go ahead. I was saying the best part is too because of three pointer so it leaves the last the last quarter or the sorry the first quarter into a tied game so they're approaching the second quarter at nineteen nineteen yeah so both teams right now they have them they no one really has an advantage over each other because the momentum's going both ways right now um, so Seho they actually kind of up, up up their defense right there it's a super tight wall now that's you know nobody's getting finding any open lanes or anything it, they're they're pretty much going against the Great Wall of China in their defense. So, Kuroko, not only does uh, Kagami pass through the legs of one guy to Kuroko, Kuroko passes through the legs of another guy back to Kagami for a dunk on there. <laughs> and in their frame of mind, they're thinking that he just passes around them. In reality, since Kuroko does have very little uh, presence, it looks like he's just passing to himself is what they're, is what they're imaging. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because in basketball usually you're not gonna get a ball through someone's leg. <laughs> um, no, that that that's that's usually the last part because if people can see it, they'll just close their legs up and there you go, the ball hits their legs and they can grab the ball off there. But they do it twice in lightning speed, and um, so it's looking positive for Saren right now. But 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 Kagami, he's trying to go for another layup, 
and then he gets an offensive foul. And get, he's already at four fouls. It's only the second quarter. You're allowed to have five. So one more foul, he's going to get kicked out of the game. And so all of a sudden, what do you think you do? Do you trust your one of your star players to just uh, kind of tough it out and make sure he doesn't get fouled? Or do you bench him? Unfortunately, you would have to bench him because you don't want your star player to go off. But also the team captains have already discussed this and said that they're going to pull both Kuroko and Kagami off the off the uh, the courts so they can conserve them. Yeah, because you know, they got to play. Yeah. If they're going to win this, they're going to have to play the, the other king team. Yeah, because let's not forget that the whole point about these last two games in the tournament are it's on the same day. So after they finish the game, they're going to have like half an hour break and they're going to go at it again. So they can't just spend all their energy on one game and just win from there. They actually have to, you know, save up to that. And uh, what, what's actually crazy is this is a pivot in this game that totally changes everything when this, all the seniors get in. Like the attitude of the seniors just amped up to a next level. And, uh, you know, this game, it just went from a do-or-die tournament game where you're not going to go to the next level. And it's not a revenge game anymore either. This is a game to shut up that defensive brat because he's just yakking his mouth off right there. And the seniors are like... Oh, we'll show you. And like, like there's just a level of intensity that just pops up from all these seniors that we have not seen before. It's crazy. And not to mention too, like that the old defensive nerd and everything so managed to piss up Manabi. <laughs> really piss him off. <laughs> yeah. And so now we actually start seeing these seniors. And don't forget, these seniors made it to the champion league last year and then totally got humiliated by the three kings. <laughs> but they still made it, so they have actually create. They actually have um, some chemistry, and they know how to play together. And it looks like between last year and their humiliation, and this year, they have actually tightened it up together, and they're playing crazily good now. Because you you see the cha- the style of play changes because it used to be just based on Kagami scoring with Koroko passing it around, and now it's a bit more. Um, would you say kind of balanced off? Because each player themselves is not a superstar, but they all have skills that they're really good at. Um, like the what one guy. Is, um, what they're trying to do is mostly like more team-based stuff where um, you're just going to use each other's strengths into making a good play, and that's what they've been doing here. Yeah. And, and you'll, see, you'll see more of this too. Yeah, and the, the thing with the team-based stuff is that you have to practice with the same guys over and over to get used to it. You can't just, you know draw it on a chalkboard, and have them go do it on the court. You need the time. And these guys, the, now they've been playing with each other for two years. So they they kind of know what to do without even talking or anything. And um, so, like, the one guy has this crazy hook shot. I, I love it, too, because it's the uh, classic, you know, just Dr. J hook shot over yeah. there. I was um, trying to remember who the who, who's representing yeah, Dr. J. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Zuki, he ha- he has a crazy talent, right, Dito? Yeah, it's one of those like you would expect, but at the same time, too, in anime, they have to over overshoot this. He has what's called ego eye, so he takes like wait, wait, a is, is that is that like in Angry Birds? Is. is that like in Angry Birds where you can get the yes. eagle and just beat yes. the level? It's where it's where you can uh, put Kevin's head into a slingshot and fire it off. No, actually. Right, no. <laughs> Um, 
basically takes a like a skyward image of the entire court and everything and where everybody is and where they can be and he's able to just build uh, to synchronize all the plays like going to corresponding to the you know the, what the situation requires and they're doing their play one um yeah that, that's actually it's that's a you know you expect to have that kind of ability it's really helpful because you find the holes in the defense and you can exploit them um and so we can see all the seniors amping up now and uh Kogane, the he's the shorter one that doesn't look like he actually knows how to play basketball. <laughs> but, I like to refer him to as the monkey guy because the way that he acts, the way he is, it's just a, he reminds me of a monkey. Yeah, so apparently he has a, some hustle because the ball is going out of bounds. He dives for it into uh, Saren's bench to get the ball to save it. But the problem is he kind of also went head first into the bench. <laughs> he just, just kind of himself there to where he had to be subbed yeah um so who do you think should be subbed well who else kagami no i was thinking they're gonna sub inari in wait wrong anime sorry guilty crown huh she's good with a gun i don't know how good she is with the ball no comment (laughs) (laughs) hey i'm a pro with the ball uh, I'm not going to comment on that either. <laughs> no, that they get Kuriko to come back in. Uh, yeah, but Kagami, he wants to go in, but remember, he still has four fouls. And th- this is a... Uh, I don't know, how do you want to explain this? Um, essentially, in a nutshell, because Kuriko has four fouls itself, um, Kagami, or sorry, Kagami has four fouls, Kuriko basically told him, no, you cannot. He just outright says, no, you cannot. So he wants to get he wants to pay back the defend the defender for all the stuff he's ever done to his own. He's made him get all the fouls. So Kuriko just says, you know what? I'll do it for you. So he's essentially does say this that I'm gonna get revenge for Kagami by proxy. Hmm. And I'm just like, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> I wonder if I could do this show by proxy. If only we had another Asian around, we could do this by proxy. Yeah, where are we going to get another Asian, I wonder? I don't know. (laughs) He just ignores me. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully we'll find another Asian to do it by proxy. Um, (laughs) So, so we start seeing flaws in... uh, White skin again. In... uh, and Seho's uh, defense, you know, because these guys, they're not an all-around team. They're good at one thing, and that's conserving energy and playing man-to-man defense. That being said, they have to use the same techniques to conserve those energies, to conserve energy, because you can't be just switching it up. That's how you waste energy right there. So um, it turns out that Saren has been watching the tape like crazy and has figured out their little tells that these players do. Like, for the example they gave is usually... When you run in one direction, you'll just go shoulder forward first. But um, Seho's team, they'll pivot their foot first towards the direction they're going. So you know what direction they're going. So uh, Saren's, you know, kind of figuring out those habits. And so they're managing to catch up. And next thing we know, fourth quarter, 24 seconds left. Uh, Saren, 70, and then Seho, 69. And so, I mean... could be anybody's game right now. One basket will, could win this game, or could t- or could shut it out for another one. 
So, yeah, but then, like, automatically, as soon as the game starts again, their team captain goes and just completely just charges and dunks it right now. Yeah, just you know? powers in. Yeah, so then it's like we have Seho at 71, Saren at 69. So, come on, game. You got you yeah. know you want to talk about so, this. And then, then what happens is Kuroko's, like, just... He tells... he uh, or So, with that, um, Kuroko just... Uh, they have they have one play left, you know. They have enough time for one play. And what happens is Kuroko's going for the pass, and the defender kid he's coming at him, and he's like, "Oh, I got your pass covered." So Kuroko changes his pass mid pass to change to give it to the captain for a three, and it's just beautiful when you hear the ball go through the net. It's just this whew, right there, and the final score: Saren seventy three. Seho 71. Like, that was crazy. You know, it's pretty hard to change a pass, mid-pass, because, you know, you can't really switch it off since usually you, you ha- he ha- Koriko had enough court awareness to know where all the other players were and how he could change the pass to it. And that's nuts. Um, and what's crazy is, while Koriko's playing, this is the first time Kagami's actually seen Koriko play, and he's like... Wow, he's good. <laughs> it's, he just didn't understand that too. He just—he's so focused on the game itself. He's watching Kuroko. He's just like, dude, he's nuts. <laughs> and, and then the uh, cat and the coach is like, dude, he's like this every single game. <laughs> um, so at this point, you know, the team goes takes their their um, break and everything, and we see that Kagami's taking his power nap. <laughs> Yeah, so what ha- you know now they got to go play Shutoku because they cre- they cream the other team as like a hundred and nineteen to like forty. There's like thirty eight or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, the one thing I like about Shutoku is it's one of those good uh, crowd chanting ones, so you always hear Shutoku, Shutoku, <laughs> in the crowds. So both teams are kind of in their locker rooms, kind of gearing up, trying to stay warm. You see, Saren, the captain's like, "All right." Put on your jackets right now. Keep your muscles warm. I'm going around massaging everybody. Get those cramps out of your muscles so you guys don't, you know, get cold on there. And you look over and Kagami's just passed out. Um, <laughs> but the thing, the, and then the uh, captain, he's, the coach is like, we got to wake up. And like, the captain's like, no, I don't think he's really sleeping. It seems like he's saving up his ener- every single ounce of energy he has for the next game. Yes, this is how at least Kagami decides to conserve energy. And it works, apparently. Yeah. And so, uh, um, I thought it was odd, because randomly, Kuroko's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And the other guy's like, oh, I'm, I'm coming with you. So they head towards the bathroom. I'm like, why in the world are we looking at Kuroko go to the bathroom? I don't understand <laughs> at all. And uh, what it turns out to be is, there's another guy on Chutoku. He's washing his hands there. And uh, as Kuroko walks behind him, he turned around and he's like, oh, it's you. And, you know, that may not seem like it's not important, but this is Kuroko we're talking about. He could be there for 30 minutes and people don't notice him there. Um, but this kid noticed him right off the bat. Could this mean trouble? Find out in upcoming episodes. Uh, so, now we have the championship game start. Um, what's uh, interesting is uh, Midorami... Or Midorama, however you say his name. Madorama? Yeah. Sorry. Midorama. Midorama. Yeah. He's 
um, the other guy, well, I think the captain on Chitoku's team is like, aren't you going to go talk to, Kur- is talking to Kuroko is enough? It's like, yeah, what about the Kagami? He's like, if he has anything to show me, he can do it on the court. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, snap. So, what happens is the game starts, first quarter. Everybody is tied. Um, both teams start out with blocks um, on both sides, and the defense is tough. Everybody's kind of, nobody's scoring and everything. And they start going to the saying that the tempo of each quarter is going to, it's usually determined by whoever is the highest scorer. That's usually how basketball is played. Basketball these days is a game of runs. Whoever can, you know, score and go on a run during that time is uh the be- is is you know the best for that. But in this case, um Shutoku they managed to score um and it's uh Midorima. He's you know one of his crazy long jumpers that he swishes. But the weird thing is Kuroko is talking to Kagami and is like keep running, keep running. And then I'm like okay. Um and then Kuroko he inbounds a ball and normally you're going to pass it to somebody uh, you know, near the inbound line. What he does is a cross-court bullet pass right to Kagami where he just dunks it right there. And I am like, holy crap, this is going to be a high-flying game. And they decide that when they end this ended right there. And he's like, <sighs> you just want to have another one you just really want to start watching this the 11th episode now don't you i know i almost did <laughs> uh, uh, give me more need... oh because like it just gets you pumped that these teams you know shutoku is supposed to be one of the kings of japan but this you know second year basketball team is going head to head against them and they're keeping up and i'm like oh man oh and this is the one thing I was worried about uh, this whole anime. Because, of course, the way they set it up, it's tournament style. So if you lose, you go home. Which means that Saren has to win their games. But it's not even... All, they've turned these games not into about winning, but how each game plays out. And it just, you know, it draws you in. I mean, because you know for a fact that Saren's going to have to go keep going or the anime's over, right? Um Maybe. But each of these teams they play against each other, they all have different unique styles, and it's more about how Saren's going to deal with it and how they're going to tackle each of these plays. And it's each game is just that perfect length to where it doesn't really make you get bored with it. And I'm I'm glad that they're not doing a one team per episode anymore. In this case, they're doing two teams in an episode, and then they just pace it so well. I... Don't worry, don't worry, guys. KT's okay. Um, He's just excited. I'm, I'm just, I'm just having a anime gasm. Gasm. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm just. I'm not judging. I'm just laughing. Just having an anime gasm. Don't worry. Don't worry. An- anime gasm. Oh, that sounds worse. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. And ah, oh, crap. That's not the right one. Sorry, guys. I couldn't find where my mouse went. Anyways, let's go, jump into our next. Let's go to our next anime episode. Anime that also has good pacing.
And our next episode is or anime is Drugamand, and is brought to you by Peer Pressure. Hey, everyone's doing it. Why not? Hey, Dito. You should do podcasts because everybody else is doing it. Cool okay, KT, let's do podcasts. Yeah. Wait. And you should find me an Asian by proxy. Um, kind of busy. What is he doing? <laughs> studying? Actually, yes. <laughs> um, so. Like our last episode, we find that uh, Coco goes on a date. An actress makes a really good arms dealer. And. Okay, T. Chocolate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> So Okay, so we first get up in this episode and everyone's on the beach, so Beach episode So we think. Um Johan is gonna be delivering a battery to Coco because her apparently her laptop battery dies, so she's just replacing it. And So what do they do on the beach? Apparently it is a new game of how far can you throw Johan? And it seems throw like the she's enjoying it too. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's it's nuts. It's like, and then um, it's actually Coco's like, you guys, are you seriously throwing him everywhere? And they're like, hey, he likes it. And you know, this is actually a few times we actually see uh, Jonah. He's actually looks like he's smiling or close to smiling. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of. Um, but I, I I love this is. Uh, Two of the guys are in the water, and uh, Val Mint, she's uh, in her camo bikini on there. <laughs> and Oh, one thing I have to mention. Everybody in this freaking militia group, or in this arms group, is, like, ripped. They are, like, all ripped, including Jonah. Everybody's just ripped. And I'm like, ah. I only can dream of being that fit. But um, So two of the guys are in the water, and they're kind of, like, eyeing her. And... The guy's like, I'm going in. And the thing is, he's like, <laughs> pretend you're not interested in big boobs. So I'll try not to. Dita, don't pretend Pretend you're... I, I guess that's our, uh, That's how you, you know, do one of those smooth moves that I'm not good at, is uh, pretend like you're not interested in big boobs. <laughs> yes, so, you know, the best way to start that? Massage. Shoulder <laughs> massage. I know, you gotta be careful, though. There are limits, you know. Um, and apparently one of the guys... He uh, accidentally touches uh, Valmint's boobs, and she just totally, Oops. like, leg flips him into the ocean. <laughs> and and every, she so, kicks him so hard that he flew further than Johan did. Yeah, they're like, oh. So, and yeah. That, the, I, just, I love this part because there's like, medic, someone get a medic. Yeah, I, I, I was like, medic, and they're like, I'm coming to get you, medic. So... <laughs> Um, I guess this teaches a lesson not to touch boobs. Unless you're Coco. Yes. Oh, yeah, she's like, those are for me and Coco only! Ah! <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, of course, it's not all fun games, because Yona has to actually still s- learn. So Mao is teaching him science. And the funny thing is... um. Yona's, he's got some espionage or something going on because what happens is he gets Mao to start talking about his past 
because there's about half an hour before dinner. And he just, you know, starts talking about how he used to be a, a, a artillery guy and his family and everything. And next thing you know, he gets a phone call from Coco and he's like, dinner! And turns around, Yona's already gone. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about strategy. I, I wish I was that good. Um, and then after dinner, uh, Coco's telling him, all right, we have a new mission right now. And um, what's his name? Uh, Liam. He's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Is this right? Are, are we going to the sky? And he's like, we're jinxed. <laughs> <laughs> Something about, uh, like, Coco being in the sky. It's just apparently really bad. Nothing like, everyone good knows it's like, bad things happen when she gets in yeah. the sky. Nothing good ever comes from it. <laughs> so... What happens is that they're going into this area. I love the name of some of these countries because it's like Region X <laughs> of something. And I'm like, okay. Um, and the government militia T. Or, uh, okay. Um, yeah. It's being creative <laughs> it's like, on your country names. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they want to give like country names without giving out the names and give out groups without giving out the groups. So, yeah. Well, very well executed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... They are being sent there, and they got some additional cargo. What kind of cargo is this, Tito? Apparently, it's a group of doctors known as the Outspoken Doctors for Human Rights, or the ODH. ODH! the The mission actually includes having to smuggle them in to a relief group that's in the area of this militia group that they're delivering their um, merchandise to. So... They got paid in advance 6% of the actual cost of that, but at the same time, too, they are going to be walking into a gasoline factory where static is not supposed to be there, and they want them to light a match, basically, in this area, because they were already once not let in, so if they find them, uh, hell's going to be have to be paid. Oh, man. That's going to be interesting. Um, so everything seems to be going well. You know, they, the militia guy hasn't shown up while they're doing deals with the uh, the uh, the military from there. Yeah, like I the think he was government. like a captain or something. And, you know, they're almost done. And he's like, do you have any extra cargo we can buy from you? And he's like, ah, not this time. We're to capacity. And they're about to leave, you know, the, all the paperwork signed. And then enter the Balkan Dragon Militia. And it's apparently these guys kind of, you know, they undermine even the captain on the base because the guy's like a war hero and he has his own militia. And uh, uh, so he's like, goes to Coco and he's like, I know you're smuggling the, I know you're, well, first of all, he smacks the captain with the radio and he's like, give me a working radio. And then he, then he, <laughs> this guy's nuts. I found that to be funny too, just because even though he is a lower rank, he smacks a captain with a radio, breaks the radio, and then demands for a, a new one. Yeah, like he's he's smacking an officer too. Not, not yeah. it's it's almost essential. It's almost a, just like if you had your kid, you know, like a like a twelve year old kid and everything itself that had they just you gave him a brand new toy and everything, like a, say like an iPod or something like that, and he smacks you with it and then demands another one. It's almost like that. Yeah, um... It's complete arrogance. Yeah, so um, he's like, Coco, I know you're hiding those filthy doctors in there and stuff. And, you know, she's playing it off pretty well. And this is actually pretty cool. They show safeties getting switched off, and you know it's just all the, it's the, all the body, it's the uh, arms dealers. It's, you know, just 
You know, he just has to say one word and bam, safeties are all off. And so Kokosima just like, going, oh, here it comes. Yeah. And so the leader of the doctor is he's like, oh, man, we're causing Coco trouble. I should go out there and kind of try to talk to him. And they're like, don't go do that. They'll kill you. It's like, don't worry. I, I've dealt with these types before. I, I can deal with this. So he walks out there. And he's trying to talk to the militia or the militia leader. And he's like, oh, you want to talk, huh? Bam! Slug right into in the, the shoulder. shoulder. Right in the shoulder. You know, the guy's down, and then next you know, bam! Grazes his cheek again. He's like, you want to talk, huh? This is how we talk here. Um, and this is where it gets funny, too, because at this point, Lem steps in and, like, knocks away the gun. You know, as about as he shoots him, as he tries to shoot him a third time. And then, as he's about to, like, pull his uh, rifle out in there, Lem just grabs the, the hilt of his gun, or the butt of his gun, and just totally chin, uh, chin checks him. Yeah, Chin checks the guy right behind the captain because, like, eh, or not the captain, the uh, militia leader. And it's like, you can't just. And then he's like, then he's holding his uh, M16, I think, I think, it was, or uh, M4, right, M4. Right, right at the guy. And he's like, Coco, what should we do next? He's like, well, can't be helped. Eliminate the Balkan Dragon Militia! And they just totally. They said so casually, yeah. too. And then she just, like, everybody opens fires and. You know, this militia, there's a good, like, 20, 30 people there. And the whole the whole arms dealer guys just slaughters everybody except the uh, the leader right there. Uh, no, they go after everyone who's a part of the dragon militia and spares the rest of them. Yeah. Because that, that they're ordered just to take out the militia. Yeah. And what's know? nuts is that right then, the episode ends, I'm like, holy crap, we're already at the end of an episode? <laughs> Um, they've they've kind of set this up to pace really well, just like uh, Kuroko is paced really well. This one's paced. Really, I I was like, oh man, that didn't seem like twenty minutes already. <laughs> and the greatest part of it is too is they start back into the show with them just totally decimating the militia. And you would figure that you know this group that is so feared and so well respected too would put up a better fight. Yeah. Um, and I, I like this. They have the uh, magical and. Ammo-less guns, though. <laughs> you got it, man. Magic. Yeah, cause, so, magic. like, the first minute of the episode just shows all the uh, arms dealers firing off, and I didn't see anybody reload. Well, Bauman, on the other hand, doesn't need to, because she does have, she does have like, a saw, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's the only one who actually has a large capacity, or large magazine. Everybody else seems to have standard magazines. Like, okay, I'll go with it. <laughs> I'm just like I'm, I'm rolling with this. This is fine. Um, but the team takes out the whole militia except the uh, leader, and he's kind of a. Uh, you know, you see him. He takes the uh, doctor, and then throws him in the car, and they're driving off. And Yona, he has a clear shot, but Coco's like, "Nope, hold your fire. Let him go. Let him go." And they kind of drive off. And at this point, so I was wondering what in the world Coco's trying to do, but. What she tries to explain to Johan is that she doesn't want him to stain his hands that like that. You know, I guess like killing him is is like below him that Coco believes or something. That's what I got out of it at least. Yeah. Um, but you know, who knows what she meant? She was speaking this like super metaphorish thing, and and Yona's like, you know, sometimes you speak too much in metaphor, and I have no idea. What you're just but the greatest about. part is too. She's actually hatching a plan 
several steps before him, and this, and you'll soon find out why. Yeah. All right. So now they have an issue. They got to get out of the the country because they've already done their business. And but the problem is the militia is still out there, and they have anti aircraft artillery. They have uh, missiles, rocket launchers. So it might be a little hard taking off, you know, because they're just in that jungle right next to them. (laughs) Yeah, so what's the best idea you can come up with? Well. Mao does have a great idea, too, is to grab one of the 122-millimeter cannons that they were delivering to the base and mount it to the back of the plane. This seems like a solid idea, right? It it should work, right? Yeah. Zing. (laughs) I get the pun. Solid idea. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. I, just, I just have to take a sec. So now they're taking the great escape. Not not the uh, boys like girls song, but they're they're kind of taken off, and then the fireworks just start coming out. You start seeing the uh, IR lead missiles, the uh, anti aircraft guns going off. Um, you know, they have flares and everything. So they launch all those and, um, you know, you just have this 122 millimeter gun planet. It's not even in the plane. It's on the ramp of the plane. They somehow mount it to the ramp. So Mao, who is you know, a specialist in uh, artillery and everything, he's just like setting it up and everything. sees where the AA guns are and all their missiles. So he... Sets up his shot and everything, and then everyone in the plane who's behind him, he just tell them to clo- like cover their ears and open their mouths as he fires off the 122. And if you don't know what that means itself to hold your ears, you know it's obviously because it's very loud. Open your mouth so that the recoil doesn't actually you don't get the full recoil of it because that's a big gun going off. And you're in, behind it in a, in a closed like space too. Cause yeah. that's not that big of a plane. Yeah, just like if you're not familiar with that, so think about if you're ever to be in a car going like 120 miles an hour or something, you just open your windows. It's all that pressure. Yeah. So they launch it, and I don't know much about artillery, but that shell that he launched just had a whole bunch of uh, titanium arrows or some kind of metal arrow in it, and it just totally just littered the area with that. And I, there's no way you could survive that. Yeah, essentially it's called as an anti-personnel shot, and that's the whole purpose of itself is to launch up there, and it just spreads a bunch of metal rods, and it will take almost anyone on the ground. Uh, it shot this from the back of a plane. Yeah, that's nuts. That is nuts. Holy, holy crap. So at this point, uh, now we see Coco's plan taking action. He con- like She contacts Scarecrow, where like, oh, she sells some information about the leader of the dragons yeah. for a cool five million. Yeah. But the thing is, the reward for the dragons, militia leaders, is five million dollars. And he's like, oh, five million dollars. And she's like, five. He's like, no way, screw you. Hangs up on his satellite phone and our favorite character, Chocolat. Her satellite phone goes off. It's like, hello. Oh, Coco, how are you doing? Like, oh, really? I'll take it. <laughs> they're, they're in the same room. And Scarecrow's like, oh. So now, now the CIA has to get involved because of chocolate. Chocolate. Every <laughs> time you say that, I swear. That's how you have to say her name. Chocolat. I can't. I just, 
can't do without laughing. Chocolate, <laughs> chocolate, <Stop>. chocolate. <laughs> I could make a whole song out of that. Don't, please don't. I feel, every time I, will, I, I say that, I, I will hang up. <laughs> fine, I'll save it for later. Um, but so they've been so they deliver the rest of the doctors and they're like, oh, we'll transfer the rest of the money. And she's like, she's like, oh, hold on, then that I haven't fulfilled our contract. I said I bring ten doctors here. Um, well, I'll personally go get the other one. So apparently they've been tracking the dragon um, leader ever since they left camp, and uh, he's nuts. He's like, I'm gonna like post us torturing you on YouTube, and it's gonna be famous. Everybody digs that kind of stuff now. I, I love how like adamant he is about like filming everything. I know he wants to be a YouTube star. There's something, you know. But Coco, there, there are this... easier ways of doing this, like starting yes. a podcast on anime, uh, ah, maybe. or maybe. Anyways, <laughs> so Coco's talking to Lem, and she uses the magic word "time for the hunt," and he's like, "Oh." <gasps> <laughs> it's like whenever they hear the word hunt, they just go absolutely yeah. ape shit. And it's like, who should I bring along? Hmm. <laughs> um So they they uh they're they're out there on the side of the road and uh you kinda you see the trucks coming along with with the uh doctor and the militia guy and you know you know, explain how they follow a mo- they're, they're following a theme along this, so. Yeah, so what they did is they set tripwires, you know, they said, like, they use the remaining Don't you normally use their- claymores for that? Normally that you would use, like, either claymores or, like, uh, pits or um, landmines or something like that. No, they decided to use the remainders of their 122 shells as <laughs> landmines, basically. Um, yeah, so you just see the truck blowing up. And then in the back seat of the car that has the doctor and the militia leader in it, you just see like two of the arrows just trickle in from the roof. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's like, like, unfortunately, for or actually, probably fortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately for them itself is that the it's meant to be shot, it's meant to be uh, be detonated above the area. So being detonated underneath, the arrows are just falling. So they really like have almost no lethal potential. So much. So but if you're outside, much. it would, you'll probably still get one stuck in your head, like a long dart or something. Yeah. Maybe somebody took an arrow to the knee. You probably would, actually. I'm going to be surprised if they did take an arrow to the knee. They used to be a malicious group to, until they took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Yes, complaints, <laughs> praises are bad jokes. KTData.net. Palms. Perfectly fine. Yes. Um, so in the so as a chocolate and scarecrow <laughs> fly by, uh, they're like, "Oh, she really did make it easy." And the militia leader's just tied up in the middle of a field, and scarecrow's like, Ugh. and they return the doctor out, and so the H, what is it, H C L I or whatever, the arms dealer, they're flying off <laughs> over there and looking at that, and then Coco's like, "I'll ask you, Dito." Coco asks this question. So, Dito, she she asks it to Jonah. Um, Dito, what 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 kind of sound do dragons make? Gow. 
<laughs> or something like that. I can't, I can't really like pronunciate the way that Johan has said it. It's like gal, and then Coco just goes gal, and she just starts repeating this, and this like that's the end. You know, I'll, doesn't make sense, but hey, it goes along with the motif of our next anime too. That doesn't really make sense either. And our next anime is Koriwa Zombie Desuka of the Dead. And it's brought to you by advertisements. You'll know it when you see it. Indeed you will. And of course our normal disclaimer. Warning! Our protagonist is a zombie. So please, don't try this at home. Dito and I are sort of professionals. <laughs> sort of. It's the closest you guys will get. <laughs> so, in the last episode... You, she starts speaking, drunken fairy turns out to be a dude, and hail to the king, baby. I swear, Dito, you love hail to the king. You make me say that all the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, we're trying to find out what uh, Chris or drunken fairy, I'm going to just keep calling her drunken fairy because so much more awesome than Chris. Um, her, weak, her weakness is uh, being t- tickled. But there's also somebody who uh, could be Chris. I don't know why, but I understand the power of the tickle, because Dito, I know that's your weakness, and that's like every Asian's weakness. Right? I really don't want to know how you know that, but... Do you have an Asian to test it out on? More or less. (laughs) For science, Dito. Science! (laughs) Um, so the, the facts are good. We run into the problem itself is that so when when um, Aikawa calls up Daisensei to ask about this too, she does mention about another underworld um, person who is on the on or on their world who actually could be Chris. And the first person I thought it was you because she is from the underworld and everything, but not necessarily the same person. So. Ah, uh, you know, and it it happens to be that it's the most powerful denizen of Yuri, also known as an S-class megalo. And they're like, huh? S-class? And it's like, use... And uh, Haruna, while sitting on an exercise ball, stretching, is... Uh, exercise d- ball? I, I don't know. It's, it reminds me of KT so much about when Haruna's Exercise ball. balls rock, dude. I am an expert at sitting on an exercise ball. I'm doing it right now. And look how spry I am. I'm like, you know, I can't stop moving. I'm just all over the place. Watch out, he's there. You know, to 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 quote Haruna later is, uh, she's uh, flies a butterfly and uh, stings like a bee, or whatever she says. (laughs) This is how I know who flies like a butterfly and stings like a bee. How am I help you? Um. But yeah, so normally a triple A class megalo takes a couple magic clad girls to kind of take them down. An S class one, the S class is taking out the magic clad girls instead of all the way around. Yeah, it's like a whole different league. They, that's how they describe it. Is that they're just in a whole different league. Like, she was so powerful even before they had this classification system. She had a name <laughs> for herself out there. Um, oh look, how convenient! Happens to be a friend of you. 
Yes, so we, we see a little a clip on exactly how they're related and how that so they're friends and everything, too. And uh, even more convenience, she happens to be living in the human world. Yes, and we'll soon see exactly how this transpires um, because uh, we first see about Sarah uh, gives Ayakawa a, a ticket to her concert. My idiot! And she's being kind of nice in a weird way. It's like you would expect her just to call her or start calling Ayakawa like, um, my beautiful. Oh, it's like she keeps him like down, like downing him and everything. Like just every given moment, just calling him a worthless, like worthless bug or like, you know, it's just really, it's it's just weird to see her actually just acting like normal, like a normal girl. <laughs> and then the, what, what's nuts is that, uh, um, uh, crap, Ayakawa, he's drinking his uh, zombie coffee. And, you know, it's in a juice box. And the next thing you know <laughs> is that uh, Sarah, she's like, let me have a sip of your coffee. And she's like, well, that's like an indirect kiss. And it's like, maybe that's what I want. <laughs> but uh, then we come into the next, uh, the next day when after because the, the concert's on Sunday. So I immediately thought that they're going to, like, jump into the Sunday and everything. So, but, you know, so they come to this apartment. And I'm thinking, wait. Is her concert going to be in her apartment? Wait, what's going on here? Then it cuts to saying that the the apartment actually belongs to the S class Megalo, and apparently her name is. I'm going to totally slaughter this. But I'm going to try yours, it anyways. <laughs> thanks, Kiki. Thanks, because you know how I love uh, to try uh, these. I'm, I'm a giver. I like sharing. Yeah, for everyone who's been watching up to so far, knows I slaughter names because I'm horrible at them. Okay, so her name is uh, Nangaliria. Never, never, uh, never Boris, or Nene. Never Boris. Never Boris. Okay, we'll stick Boris. with Nene. Yeah, but so she I'm gladly a... shortened down to Nene because yeah. having to say that over and over again, I probably would just go insane, and I've probably done the same thing. Okay. Maybe you can go Nene, 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 Nene. No. 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 But Nene no, does have Nene does have an awesome hobby though. What's what's her hobby? Apparently, she's her hobby is drawing, like drawing a bunch of doujins and everything itself. And she draws boys love doujin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Ayakawa figures this out. Uh, and it's like, that's kind of thin. It's like, oh, that's a nice thing. Um, so, and she's like, well, I'll do you a favor by telling you how to, to how to uh, defeat um, uh, drunken dr- drunken fairy. If you do me a favor too, and he's like, "What? Just uh, come help me with the transcripts." And then this is when we discover that uh, Nene is also into another thing: uh, sleeping all the time. Very much so. She tends tends to pass out quite a bit, and you'll see this throughout yeah. the episode. You know, so well, you could actually call her Nene the narcoleptic. <laughs> yes, narcolepsy is. Oh, hi. Oh, it's, 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 you know what it is? It's kind of what happens to the audience when they listen to this podcast. Or your sister. She uses us to sleep, apparently. Yes. Instant lullabies with chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> Stop it. 
Who would want so, to see that? You see, you see Agawa coming out of a convenience store that so happened to be conveniently named 611. Uh, 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 I see what you did there, guys. I uh, see it. <laughs> actually, thinking about it, that episode might have come out on the 11th, too. Because it, so, it is June. <laughs> something, about, something about, like, the... When they were naming characters with numbers, they always put 11 in for some odd reason. Because it rhymes with heaven? Maybe. Well, not really, because it's Juichi is 11, so... It rhymes with Jujubes? <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, we see Aikawa come back from this, the food run and everything, where Nene's in the shower, and hears him coming in where she tries to greet him and everything, but then she passes out in the mid-conversation right on top of Right on top of and they, Totally uh, worth it. You know, that's slightly compromising. No. Slightly. Until Harna comes back. Well, you know, that's the thing, to... is that uh, there's a huge stack of uh, manuscripts that, that uh, Ayakawa has to get through to, you know, get this favor... So he calls Haruna over, and Haruna is kind of waiting, and he gets to the door, knocks, and nobody picks up. So he kind of peeks through the mail slot and uh, gets a peek, at least. Just a little. <laughs> um, yeah. En- enough to where she goes back bawling to the rest of the group. <laughs> He's going against the world of adults and becoming a man. Ah! <laughs> I love how she overreacts it too. Um. So, what's the most logical thing to do? Come back with reinforcements. Yes, that just sounds very logic, very logical coming from them too, because we all know it's going to happen. It's going to be all out cat fight. Um. Yeah. So they show up. And like, what has this lech been doing? Did he do something indulgent with you? And she's like, what if he did? Oh, what a lech. And Haruna's like, no! <laughs> is, is just like provoking more. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's awkward right there. And then somehow they managed to cut this in. And, uh, well, Actually, first. Make the others understand the me. Somehow Nene explains everything to where everyone understands what's going on, and well, it's after gets them to help. A- after uh, Sara knocks um, Aikawa into the corner and starts bleeding from his head, uh, but it starts working out, and uh, uh, I-, I love this. Is it looks like Aikawa knows how to press um, Haruna's buttons, and she's like, "Why do I have to do this?" It's like, because I need help from a genius. And it's like, "Oh, okay." And she just starts editing <laughs> these manuscripts going through. Um, it tells you really know your people. You know, you know your friends if you know how to just say the right things regardless of the situation and they're all on your side. Chocolate. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, and Sarah's like, I'll go kick, cook you up some snacks while you're working on this. Uh, yeah, so apparently Sarah is... Uh, cooking again um so uh, and then sara these why can't these ninjas pick names that aren't similar to each other <laughs> yeah there's there's like sarah and sarah yeah you know, 
S-E-R-E and S-E-A or S-E-R-A. Yeah. So I was like, uh, so, Sarah and Sarah. Yeah, so Sarah, Sarah she's Sarah. starting her concert right now. And again, I love the crowd because the crowd's like, <laughs> we should be just, we we should be like that during the Paul and Storm concert or the Anna Metal concert. <laughs> we need to get glow sticks. We seriously need glow sticks for. I have the, a set right here for Anna Metal. Like I said, I have a set you, right here. You really? Yes. You really bring them? They cut your recording. All right. Sorry about that, guys. We uh, had a slight technical issue, but we're back. So we're talking about the glow sticks, and so the concert's about to start. With Sarah and Aiko is still over at Nene's place editing like crazy through this manga. Um, and so, but what happens is that Nene's like, you seem to be looking at the clock a lot, Aiko. And he's like, uh, yeah, don't you have somewhere to go? And she's like, yeah, I do, but I really want to see this through the end. And she's like, oh, well, I can take care of the rest of this. We can just, you can go. So, Aikawa, he starts running off to that. Before that, before that, we didn't need to touch on this a little bit, that the reason why that Aikawa was so adamant about trying to finish this, too, is not just because of the deal he made, because also that the manga they're drawing is about you. Oh, yeah. It's, in, uh, in a previous, in a previous um, well, well, I was called it, Life. But it's or, not even you know, a previ- previous story. In an alternate life where you has a happy ending instead of her previous to her meeting Aikawa. Because to be honest, I think she has a happy ending now. But, you know, kind of her and her magical fairyland and whatnot. Being, it's and the so, hoo-haws and whatnots. Yes. And the hippos and, yes, that. And KT saying, chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> um, so, that, that's why it's kind of important that he wants to see it through. And, you know, the funny thing is everybody looks happy. So, Aiko is running to it. And uh, Sarah's about to kind of start her ballad song, like this, you know, the more slow, melodic song. And then right in the back of the crowd, because the crowd's going, ah! and then in the back, you just see a door open, and there's uh, Aikawa there, and all of, all of a sudden, uh, Sarah's just like, if you want to die, head to the front! <laughs> and, just and she goes just completely nuts. goes back into her normal uh, metal-ish self. I don't know how to really describe yeah. her. Her, her original personality, I guess, is the way to say it. Um, <laughs> so what happens now is they uh, kind of head back. and Well, not even head back. They're kind of just chilling mm-hmm. after the concert. And, uh, they're, of course, Aiko is sipping on his patented zombie coffee. I really need to get some zombie coffee. Add that to the list of Dr. Ginger, um, Dynamite. What was it? Dynamite. Dynamite drink. Dynamite drink. And Dynamite! Dynamite! And now I, I gotta get some zombie coffee, too. Um, so You might find it at AX. Never know. It's true. I'd be afraid to open it, then. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd have to buy two. Uh, <laughs> one for now, one for the road. <laughs> one for the collection. Uh, so, he's sipping on it, and then next thing you know, Sarah's just like... And he's like... But that... that, that, that my saliva was there. That's like an indirect kiss there. And yeah, j- Sarah totally uh, attacked the chocolate milk. Uh, or the uh, coffee, sorry. Chocolate milk? Where do you live? <laughs> Asians are mostly lactose intolerant, man. Mm. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, but, uh, so, 
the funny thing is that he's like, will you please stop calling me my darling? And she's like, well, in my mind, we're already dating. And so, uh, <laughs> isn't that convenient? <laughs> um, and so, you know, um, and here's, it cuts us off, you know, like yeah. after everything, it cuts off to this, like one of the like ramen carts and everything down the, by one of the, like the, uh, water shores and everything. And guess who's in this cart? We see Nene and Chris just chilling there, drinking their heads off, and just, <laughs> talking about, just talking about what's happening so far. Like just drinking buddies. It's okay, Dito. They're off the clock. It's just like you know, you can record this because you're off the clock at work. Not really. I'm still kind of on the clock for another job called uh, KTData.net. It's okay. I pay you well. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Yeah. See, I'm full of jokes. It's hilarious. <laughs> Chocolate. I, Larry, ass. Ass. Uh, um, <laughs> so, what, the funny thing is that since the uh, teacher for Ayakawa's class was uh, the, the, the drunken fairy, I don't. they need a new teacher. Um, what's a good replacement teacher? Um, I'm thinking Guy. I mean, Dai Sensei. <laughs> Man, somebody loves his guilty crown. <laughs> um, so, I, come on, who would want to learn from Guy how to do weird, stupid things? Back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's I, I just think it's funny because like the teachers in this um, anime are just totally mm-hmm. expendable. You can just replace them left and right. They're like the post office, you know, where they have such a high turnover rate, but they don't seem to care opposed to the post office would. <laughs> um, and so what becomes uh, what becomes the story is that first, um, Aikawa, Aikawa, he, I swear he was going to kiss Dai Sensei in the hall because he just like punches right here. I'm like, they're going to kiss, aren't they? Um, but she's... <laughs> She's like, well, if you're ever going to defeat a drunken fairy, you're going to have to become a full-fledged magic-clad girl. And I'm trying to wrap my head around this, too, because he is one, but he's not one at the same time. (laughs) So then I'm trying to figure out, like, what does it really, like, what does it mean to become a real magic-clad Girl. Maybe he has to, you know, have a certificate on the wall that says he's fully certified he, in magic clad girlness. So yeah, he just needs a piece of paper to make him sound more important. Got it. I wasn't aware yeah. of that. <laughs> so, but to get that piece of paper, he's got to pass an entrance test. Um, we don't know what kind of test, but if he fails, erase he the hard drive. Wiped. Yep, he will not remember anything. So next day. They get another new teacher. Who could this be? So their next one is their cooking teacher, which is Harana. <laughs> and apparently, so because she taught him how to cook eggs really well, so she became the cook, their teacher, or the home ec, or home ec teacher. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So <sighs> guess what they learn how to make? Harana's special eggs. And she's like, first you take the egg, 
crack it into the beaker. I highly suggest you guys use a brand new beaker. Please do not use a beaker that you put chemicals in. That's just me as a chemist giving you guys real world advice. Um, so she's like, all right, so just whip them up, break them up good, get them all scrambled. And then you add a philosopher, something nice like a philosopher or something. They're like, uh, what if we don't have a philosopher's stone? It's like, well, <laughs> something like soft rubber also works. I love this too because this just goes like philosopher's stone. I'm like, oh my God, mystery solved. Just need a philosopher's stone to make golden eggs. Harry Potter must not go to Hogwarts. But as Harna's doing her special eggs and everything, so Daisensei just kind of pops in and says, you know, there's a fine line between uh, eggs and slime. Yeah, and then you start looking at Harna and say, now you just got to stir this egg, uh, for 30 minutes. I'm like, 30 minutes? And then all of a sudden it, the eggs start turning green and it starts spreading out. And then next thing you know, it fills up the room. Um, and... <laughs> So it turns into a slime, and you know it's not just any normal slime. It's it follows the steam of Koriwa perverted slime. Yes, and it just happens to melt off clothes. But it's still a gentleman because it doesn't take their bottoms. Yes, um, gentleman. And, and uh, <laughs> so uh, you can imagine a room full of girls and clothes eating slime and it's not discriminating either yeah so of course Aikala is like oh, uh, get back in the game I gotta save everybody so he jumps in saves the two girls that I never remember the name but one of them is the one that has a crush on uh, Aikala and of course Haruna's like ah! and he kind of goes up and hugs her and it's like what are you touching it's like I'm trying to save you and she's like I don't want you to save me and struggles and they end up sinking to the bottom of the slime and uh, Dyson's are like, oh, man, they were doing so good. Invaded. And then she goes, yeah, apparently ah! that was a test. Yeah, she she does she does like like wave thing and just totally disappears. But, but here's the before, best part yeah. too. It's like um, when Dyson say uh, eliminates the slime just by like, pointing at itself. Um, she kind of got the extract or extract of itself and lost her clothing too. Where Orito is just like. And sees it too, and then she just like destroys his glasses. <laughs> it's like that's oh, the magical that, power. That, that scene of this funny. Yeah, and so that just happened to be the test, and he kind of failed. So she's like, "Oh, you're so good," and just points in the magical glowy thing. And then he, the next thing you know, he's back at home, and he's going, "Why are all these strange people in my house? What are you guys doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> It's great, too, because everyone's just, like, sitting around there and just going, like, this is who you are, blah, blah, blah. And then he's just kind of like, I don't know who you people are. I need an adult. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, um, they're, and, and they're like, oh, I guess we all got to go home now since he doesn't remember anything. And they're like, then they have a change. It's like, wait, I don't want Aikoa to be like this. I want him to remember who he was. So this would be all for naught if he doesn't. And then uh, Dyson says, like, oh, I haven't finished my tea yet. You guys can have a makeup test right there. And what do you think the makeup test is? Their purpose, so to speak, is to dive into Ayakawa's mind to retrieve his memories of his former self. Yeah, so the funny thing is, the whole time I was thinking about this, they're in there and they kind of have this, like, film strip 
thing going with the previous clips going. And I'm just thinking, man, I miss Ano Natsu de Machiru. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to bring that up. I was like, Rinan! Um, <laughs> um, so they're going through and they go into this like central hub and there's just a giant castle there. And I, I love it because uh, you just pulls up a sign, JRPG. <laughs> so it's like final boss and then she just pulls up the sign because uh, in the subconscious she can actually talk because she's not restricted by her by the magic that she has yeah so they but show she up, up the, she still pulls up the little no, the, tablet and yeah. just laugh at that so she shows up and then all these forms of uh, Aikola show up and they're like you know the seven deadly sins lust, greed, gluttony all that and the uh, remnant of the Aikawa, the good Aikawa, is like, no, I don't want to remember all that. No. And then Harun was like, I can transform. So she takes out seven Aikawas in one transformation. Like, she, <laughs> at the end of taking them out, she just finished transforming. And everybody was like, they were pretty weak. Well, that kind of really describes... Uh, um, Aikawa, anyway. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it too. It's like they were, like they seem so powerful and everything, and then it's just Arna goes in and steps in, just like going bink done. No, that was Aikawa. No, it's Nothing like bink bink. What you got to do? Seven <laughs> of them. Bink 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 bink. Is that seven? I that's not bink. counting. Okay, I don't know. There we go. No, I, 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 I can't count. So. I I can't either apparently. Um, <laughs> so they get that, and then they walk into a room, and it looks like Ayakawa's room, and he's kind of sleeping over there. And like, hey, hey, hey! And it turns around, it's like, my name is Belphegor. I am the what is it, gluttony one, sloth? Um, no, it's the sloth basically, because um. The Helfagor was one of the demon spawns, of course, of the Seven Princes, and was meant for leading to, or making people lead to discoveries, or known as a sloth. Yeah, for some reason I feel like I'm watching Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I wonder if maybe that's where they got it. But, uh, maybe. But what happens is that, you know, Dai-sensei is just still sipping on her tea. She's on her second glass. And then all of a sudden, Aikawa wakes up. He's like, huh? 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 And he's like, I'll be back in a second. And, just and this is where it out. just gets funnier because oh, you go. think, oh, he's back and everything itself. And then he pops to the door and... He looks like the sloth. And he's like, <laughs> my name is Belphagor. And she's like, so they failed. It's like, no, they succeeded. This is me now. And then and everybody wakes because, up. Because it's like, you know, Aikawa being his preferred self as self, he takes a penny shot at Dai-sensei. Yeah. It's like, that's how you can tell a person by what kind of pennies they wear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help but just to really laugh at that part. It's like, yeah. and uh, yep. <laughs> that's, that's Aikawa for me. Yeah. And he's like, call me another IMU. And um, Dai-sensei, that's a little too long. I'm just going to call you Dark IMU. Um, so they end up going to school and he's just you know saying all this emo stuff to everybody and the class is like that's harsh and then all of a sudden Haruna shows up and they're like I want the old Aikawa back 
and uh, it's like, what are you going to do? You can't fight me. You don't have powers. And then you shows up and holds up, I'll be your opponent. And she has a chainsaw and everything. And, and I, at this point, so you attacks Aikawa, drags him out into the courtyard, yeah. and, you know... He does another emo thing. Oh, I'm always destined to have battles out in this courtyard in school. It is just my which thing. Is, which is the weird part, too, because, you know, when... Like, you think of Ayakawa self, you know, he doesn't really know how to fight very well and everything, and you does her transformation to a magic cloud girl, like we saw, like, in the last season. It's the last time we ever seen her do that. Yeah. And she just went completely apeshit on, um, the, on the last time, too. So I was expecting something more, more yeah, than that. So <laughs> as, as you just goes to attack Aikawa, he just goes into, like, 300% of his power and just easily evades her. Just completely just, like, is decimating you in every shape and form. Yeah, and so he's, like, jumping up into the air, and you goes after her, and he's like, oh, you, why would you do this? And then she kind of just collapses, and he lands and catches her, and then he says something. I don't even remember what he said, but it just, like, ticks her off. Oh, and, yeah. I can't remember what she's... I should have that down. Yeah, and then he ends yeah. up... She she, write, she writes in the dirt, like, rage mode or something, and then jumps off, punches him, like, get away from me, and then grabs the chainsaw... And, you know, just sends it straight through Ayakawa's chest. <laughs> just a flesh wound. Yeah. It's just a flesh wound. And, you know, she's like, I w-, and she's like, I want my old Ayakawa back. And then Haruno comes back and says, yeah, we want the old one. And they're, they're literally chainsawing the sloth version of Ayakawa out. And... At this point, yeah. he turns back to his original self, and he doesn't know what the, what's going on, but he realizes he has a chainsaw on his chest. And yeah. at this point, uh, Haran is still there, like, going, I want my uh, original Aikawa back, and and he's just like, ow, 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 ow. And then the next thing you know, you see him on the ground, and was, and, was, uh, and everybody's like, yeah, I'm back. Um, and he's like, can I, Haruna, can I ask you to do me a favor? Um, can you get my utter half over there? And she's like, you pervert! And at this point, we come into seeing a, another segment of another girl from looking through like a crystal ball or mirror or something like that with a little plush that reminds me of Khan from Bleach. And, and it's talking too. So I'm, I'm just going like, what the hell? Another girl? Yeah. So this puts me up to saying like how many, like almost every single girl is a, is a, that Icon associates himself with is after him one way or another. Like, like affectionate after him, and yeah. I have lost count now. Um, and then it goes back to that uh, udon cart, and of course, drunken fairy and Nene are there, and they're just eating and stuff. And like, oh, it looks like uh, this other girl's got his attention too. Like, he's one special guy with everybody attention to, paying attention to him. And then, guess what happens, Dito? It ends. Yes, episode, episode ends. totally ends. And guess what? It looks like. Corey was slated for 10 episodes because they say that's the end of the series and I'm like what so many open ended things and do you get the feeling they're going to get a third season or at least an OVA well I've been looking into this a little bit and there still seems like there are going to be two more episodes to make it a full 12 but it hasn't. I, I just can't find anything on it aside from what A and N says. A and N does show us? that there's two more, but they have not uh, given any information on the titles yet. No so. air dates. 
No, I, I haven't seen the air dates yet. It's still in like um, attention kind of detail. So like there's no information on just yet. So everyone tune in to our next uh, next Kita and see, see if there. We, there is. And you, you know what's, what this is reminding me of? It's, these series are ending. That means we got to like get on it and jump into the summer anime soon. Yes, and for more information on that, you can check out our uh, Facebook page at uh, Pen Bear Productions or check us out on uh, ktdata.net. Uh, or if you, if you have a suggestion for an anime you want us to cover, kita at ktdata.net. This is your chance, oh, your golden yes, opportunity. Yes. You know, I, I think the Rockley anime is over, so unfortunately you missed that boat. Yes, unfortunately. But, you know, but there is a full list up, too. You can check on, you can just Google up um, any the summer listings, summer anime listing 2012, and see about what's on there. And if you need to, again, check our links on Facebook. I did post up a whole list of stuff there, too, that says possibly airing. And if you have anything like that, just go ahead and email us and see about, um, if we if you want us to recover it or review it or not. Yeah, um, and of course, make sure, Facebook page, Dito, when he's watching the episodes, he takes screen caps left and right and posts them up there. So those are amazing. Um, of course, make sure you always uh, check us out. We do record every two weeks live. When, when's our next episode? Uh, in two weeks, whatever that is. <laughs> it's going to be uh, January July. 4th. Is good. It's Ju- Actually, yeah, the 4th of, Ju- 4th of July. 4th January. of July, fireworks. Yes, it's our independence. Fireworks. It's Independence Day for yep. us in America. For so, all you who are maybe watching or hearing us uh, out, of the, you know, out of the U.S. Yeah. Check out uh, ktdata.net slash live. That will be around doing that. Um, and else? good news too, just for everyone who's actually stayed with us this long. Um, and when we, our next episode itself, we will be talking about our adventures at Anime Expo 2012. And Nerdtacular. It's, it's going to be fun. We have two we conventions got, to cover. It's going to be a packed show next episode. And, uh, you know, before I head off, I want you guys to know keep your eyes on ktdata.net or um, kickcast.net. Or at KitCast, Facebook.com slash KitCast. KitCast everywhere. It's a new podcast that I'm trying to do with my buddy Isaac. Um, and we talk about Kickstarter all the time. We got we recorded a beta episode and we're going to tweak some stuff out. So uh, if you guys like Kickstarter and watching me spend money for no apparent reason, check it out, you know. For good uh, things, you know. Yeah. It's obviously, too, good, twor- uh, good innovations. Yeah, you know, they're creative ideas. Um, Dito. Do you have anything else to say? Yes. For all those who've seen that uh, figure back, it is our third Asian. Yes. We, thank you. So thank you, everybody, for watching, as always. We appreciate it. And if you have wondered why we were talking about an Asian, um, our buddy uh, Ian's over at Dito's house right now, and we're just trying to prod him into it. But uh, other than that, guys, <laughs> we will see you later. <laughs> see you, guys. <laughs> oh yeah. uh, episode 5